1: Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 170 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Today's main story? South Africa was already dealing with other infectious disease outbreaks, like HIV, when COVID came along. The country went into strict lockdown to try to keep the outbreak from overwhelming its already shaky health system. But first, here's what happened in virus news today. The pandemic is speeding up the demise of a controversial industry in the Netherlands. The Dutch government is forcing all mink farms to close by March of next year, according to a report from news agency ANP. Infected minks were found on 42 farms, Triggering mass cullings of the furry mammals that are bred for their soft pelts. Before the outbreak, the mink industry in the Netherlands had been scheduled to close in 2024 on animal welfare grounds. Peru has set another grim record by reporting the highest number of deaths per capita from the coronavirus, with 28,277 confirmed deaths. From COVID-19, or just over 86 for every 100,000 inhabitants, Peru overtook Belgium as the nation where the virus has been deadliest. That's according to data compiled by Johns Hopkins University, the IMF, and Bloomberg. Peru has one of the world's worst outbreaks by other measures, too. Over the past seven days, no country in the world Has posted more cases. The outbreak has been so bad that as much as a quarter of the 12 million people currently living in Lima may have already had the virus, according to a government study published last month. Officials warn the country's real death toll may be close to double the official figure. Finally, a UK study has suggested all the children who have died from COVID-19 in the country had, quote, profound underlying medical conditions. The report suggests that healthy school-age patients are at very limited risk of severe disease outcomes. The report adds to previous indications that youthful patients suffer less from the disease than older people. But it did show that Black or obese children are at a marginally Higher risk. And now for today's main story. The coronavirus has swept through South Africa, but the country was already carrying a heavy burden of chronic and infectious diseases. Its healthcare system is fragile. So what happened when the country went into a strict lockdown to prevent the spread of COVID-19 from overwhelming its medical facilities? Johannesburg based reporter Janice Q explains.
2: In the early hours of July 30, protesters from a hilly green countryside in South Africa's northeast set fire to some parts of the 170 bed Catherine Booth Hospital. Their complaint? They didn't want COVID 19 patients at the facility. It was the second protest in as many months after the local government said it wanted it to become the region's COVID hospital. Catherine Booth is already dealing with many high-risk
3: patients. Um, Our hospital has a lot of people suffering from hypertension, diabetes, HIV and TB. In fact, we are a hospital that initiates medication for certain people who are resistant to certain drugs for TB. So that is our speciality.
2: This is Dr. Martinez Duplessis, one of nine doctors who work at Catherine Booth, He joined the hospital in July 2019 and usually works in the outpatients department and in the emergency room. When South Africa started its initial strict lockdown in March, he largely became the de facto coronavirus doctor, doing most of the on site testing and making many of the calls on who should be admitted. While frequent slowness in getting COVID 19 test results has made his job challenging, he's grateful that other than gowns, there haven't been any real shortages in protective clothing. What he's more concerned about is the tuberculosis, diabetic and hypertension patients that he hasn't seen in the past five months.
3: After a few months, you realize that a lot of the familiar faces aren't there anymore. And coupled with that, um, people that present acutely in in the hospital that has a chronic illness, um, so let's say a hypertensive crisis or a diabetic crisis, um, you make the assumption and realization that a lot of these people passes away at home because they never never make it to hospital.
2: As South Africa entered its lockdown, nurses had gone into the community to ask people a series of questions as a way of screening them for the coronavirus. At the same time, they told people to please only go to hospital for an emergency. The idea was to reduce the number of people coming in so as to prepare for the expected influx of COVID-19 patients. But the hospital mostly just emptied out, with occupancy dropping to less than half. The diversion of resources from HIV and TB programs to tackle the coronavirus outbreak is one of South Africa's significant losses. Together with the reluctance of people to visit health facilities for fear of contracting the disease, this has led to collateral deaths.
3: No one told them, that they still need to follow up every month to collect their medication.
2: South Africa has one of the world's biggest number of people infected with HIV and one of the world's largest number of tuberculosis sufferers. Together with extreme poverty, which exacerbates high obesity levels that have boosted the number of diabetes patients, it's understandable that the health minister took steps to mitigate the chances of hospitals being inundated. But still, the strict and prolonged lockdown has a dire economic consequences.
3: You know, if your um, need is really to put food on the table, that trumps, you know, thinking about your diabetes care and the impact that that food may have on your blood sugars. And those diets tend to be very high in carbohydrates, which then obviously impact significantly on on poor glucose control.
2: This is Dr. Zane Stevens, a specialist physician and endocrinologist at the Christian Barnard Memorial Hospital in Cape Town. It's a private hospital named after the famous South African surgeon who conducted the world's first human heart transplant. It's also a stark reminder of South Africa's high inequality. For a country that boasted this groundbreaking surgery in 1967, South Africa's history of forced racial segregation during the apartheid regime set its healthcare system on a destructive path.
3: We've got this two-tiered health system in South Africa where we have a a small group of people, probably about 20% of the population, who are cared for within the funded healthcare sector and then the overwhelming majority of the population being cared for by the state healthcare sector.
2: Catherine Booth has a TB ward that is geared for isolation, so the idea of using it as a COVID facility makes some sense. Still, for the community of about 350,000 people that it serves, many who have little disposable income, having to find money to travel further to a
3: different facility is a problem. So they're protesting for their own health, which makes sense. Everyone has a right to get medical care. And to take that away by turning it into a COVID hospital and telling you to drive an hour and a half or two hours to a different hospital, it's not feasible for the people in my community. Even
2: so, in late August, the local health authorities decided that Catherine Booth would be converted to a COVID hospital. That means besides those heading for the maternity ward, no new patients can be admitted unless they are a COVID patient. It's very time consuming to transfer sick
3: people. And our closest hospital is Mabungwane and um, Ishawi, which together with the dirt road, it takes about an hour, hour and a half to get the patient there. But then you still need to book an ambulance, and discuss the patient. So it takes about four to five hours for a patient to get to the hospital. So it's very frustrating. As frustrating for us as frustrating for the patients. We still actually not sure how to cope with all of this.
2: It's not that the doctors at Catherine Booth are being left all alone to figure it out. Through a research program, some doctors from the bigger hospitals are coming to help them manage the COVID patients. There are also more resources being provided. The Department of Health has started its biggest ever medical intern allocation program with almost 2,400 recruits. At Catherine Booth, construction to build new wards have been fast-tracked. And since April, South Africa has secured fleets of new mobile coronavirus screening and testing vans.
3: The mobile testing um, like clinics, I think, is a great idea. Some of the units even will take chronic medication and then give known patients their chronic treatment.
2: Across the country, there's also been cooperation between the public and private health sectors to an extent not seen before. And here's where South Africa may get its most significant COVID-related win. The virus is breaking down walls that could expedite the expansion of care.
1: That was Janice Q. And that's it for our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit bloomberg.com coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspure, Magnus Henriksen and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by Janice Q. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Rick Schein and Francesca Levy. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening.